0: Hey, this is CJ Zetemoyer, the Next Gen Pastor here at White Plains Baptist Church in Scottsville, Kentucky. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope that this message that you're going to hear today encourages you and inspires you to live out the life God has called you to. So here is today's message. I don't know if you're looking at me poorly because of your mask or because of what I'm wearing today, but it is not often I get to celebrate LSU basketball in March. So if you will all just embrace today, and I think we will all rather see LSU win than Alabama. (laughs) You know, as I was leaving today, I told Sarah, I said, if they win, this is what I'm wearing tomorrow. She's like, you're going to preach in that? I was like, yes, ma'am. So I I gave her a kiss. I gave her a kiss this morning as I was leaving. She's still in bed and she goes, Hope you don't get fired today. And I was like, Well, babe, if that's what is supposed to happen. But uh, thanks for being here today. Um, you know, Brett and I don't communicate um, and, and really plan the songs out to go with the, the sermon, but that last song we just sang actually goes right along with what we're going to be talking about today. But uh, I wanted to, to show you all something. Uh, before we get into uh, the sermon. And so our our youth have started a prayer group on what now will be Tuesday mornings. Um, and so, Jeremy, can you put that picture up there for me? There it is. And so Tuesday last week we started, and of course that was B-Day, which we're not going to get into that. But Tuesday last week was B-Day, and so we only had like two kids there. We won't bust anybody out for not waking up and being there at 7 in the morning. But this is Wednesday. Uh, we have a couple kids who came back and what you don't see is there's actually four adults to go with our eight kids, um, so we we, we sex tupled, isn't that what we said? Sex tupled in one day, and, and what's going to happen this Tuesday as we pray again on Tuesday morning is that group's going to grow even more because all the students are coming back together. So, like AJ said, be in prayer for our schools, be in prayer for our students, but most of all, God is doing something and uh, the life of our youth here at this church and in our community. Those aren't all uh, WPS kids, White Plains students. Those are kids from multiple churches coming together to pray over the school and pray for revival. They're not just praying that they have good days. They're praying that God does something in the building. Um, and so along those lines, on April 16th, we are hosting a youth event here. Now, it is geared towards youth, but I want to encourage you to be here that night. It's at 6 p.m. We're going to have a worship service Uh, David Bird, who is with FCA, is going to be here that night speaking. Afterwards, we're going to have some games outside if the weather permits for the youth. And if you want to come and play, uh, we play dodgeball on Wednesday nights. We play nine square on Wednesday nights. And it's just as much fun for the kids or for the adults as it is the students. So come hang out April 16th. If you want to come and volunteer, we're going to need some folks serving food. We're going to need some folks praying as kids respond because we're believing that God is going to do something that night. And there's no point in doing it if we don't believe that. Amen? There's no point in opening up the church and letting kids come if we don't believe God's going to change their life when they get here. Um, so we'll be praying for that. Uh, but before we get into the lesson, let's cover our students in prayer. Let's cover our teachers in prayer. And let's cover, uh, begin to cover also, I'm getting ahead of myself, March 28th, we're going to host another prayer night. And the prayer night focus is going to be for that REACH event on April 16th. So it'll be right here. We're inviting all the churches from the association to come, pray over this event, uh, pray over the speaker, and pray over worship. But let's pray over this, uh, today's message. God, we thank you uh, for today. God, we thank you for the fact that a year ago today, we were completely online as a church. 52 weeks ago, God, we were online as a church, and here we are coming through a pandemic looking back, remembering what you've done, as we look forward, excited about what you're going to do. And so, God, we look at our students, we look at our kids, and God, we say, do something in our community so that we can see them grow in you. Bring those who are far from you to you. Put people in their path. God, as we prepare for Easter, uh, prepare those who are going to be at the, the Good Friday and the sunrise and our Easter service. God, we want to to glorify your name. We don't want it to just be another Sunday. And so, God, today we pray that you open our hearts to hear from you so that we leave here changed. We're so thankful for Jesus and what he did on the cross. We love you so, so much. Amen. So we talked about peace back in December, and we've talked about peace quite a bit, um, when we looked at peace back in December, we said that that is a pact, an a, a agreement right between us and God, and the Prince of Peace comes to bring us into right standing with that pact. Well, when we look at peace from a worldview, what do you think? No war, right? You think no fighting, don't, nobody going at each other, right? So after World War II, at least in the U.S., we saw an economic boom. We saw the economy booming. We saw things going great. But over time, as things begin to, to carry on and life begin to turn back to this, this word that we've been hearing for the past uh, probably eight months now is normalcy. As things get to peace and, and things look good, we begin to turn back to our devices, right? We begin to turn back to what we use in the church, the word sin, And so over time, as we lean on those crutches and we put our faith in those things, it begins to deteriorate and those those relationships with those things begin to fall apart because there's no fulfillment in what we can do. There's only fulfillment in what God can do. And so over time, sin causes things to fall apart. And and when we look at that and we look at our relationship with God, there's really one thing that, that stirs that and that is fear. That's fear, and so today we're going to look at a story in the Bible uh, in Matthew 8, and what we're going to see is the disciples are deeply disturbed they're in fear of what's happening all around them, and what the, what happens is they get rebuked by jesus so um, i I don't know if you like to go on the lake. We like to go on the lake as a family. Sarah's parents actually own a boat, so we go out on their their boat quite often. But last summer, uh, we went out on the boat, and this is my first time captaining the boat. Captain CJ here, captaining the boat. And as we're out there, I think it was uh, my parents, um, Zoe, Sarah, and myself, and maybe your Sarah's mom. Uh, we're all out there on the boat, and it seems like it's the busiest day of the year. Like, you think of Highway 65, there's just boats going everywhere, people crossing, and you're like, this is the worst idea ever, but I am overly confident in my abilities of something I've never done before. So we go out on the boat anyways, right? And so I am captaining the boat. Do you call it driving the boat? I'm steering the boat. And As I'm steering the boat, you know, we're going over wakes, and I'm slowing down. I'm trying to be overly cautious, but it's not good enough for a particular person on the boat. Anybody want to guess who that was? So Sarah is every bump, every little... You know, weight that we go over, is, ah, mm, mm. and so we reach a point where we're trying to decide. All right, where do we want to anchor and just kind of wait this out? Let people clear out. And Sarah goes, "I don't care where you go, just stop the boat." <laughs> now, personally, I don't think I did that bad. It's kind of like when you drive and people are worried about your driving, and you get to the destination, and you go, "But did you die?" Right? right? And Zach, don't you pucker up back there. But did you die? And that's kind of how I felt when I threw the anchors in into the lake and kind of tied them off. I was like, we made it. Nobody died. Zoe enjoyed the ride. So it was great, right? So in Matthew 8, we see the disciples and Jesus are traveling across the Sea of Galilee. And as they're doing that, we see this swell begin to happen. Storm begins to happen, blowing across. Before we get into that, though, we have to realize the significance of water, Agua, H2O, throughout the Bible, okay? So water in Scripture is actually seen as a threat to God's plan. At the beginning of time, what covered the earth? Water, and then God created land, separating the water. In Genesis 7, we see that Noah has to build an ark because the water is beginning to overrun its barrier, water is taking over. God has used water to pull out a plan, but it is a threat to God's people, so he allows Noah to build an ark. And then in, Genesis, or excuse me, in Exodus 14, we see the Red Sea, and it blocks God's people from freedom. And God has to perform a miracle to remove the water out of the way, let his people pass by, and then the water closes in on Pharaoh and his men. And so water can be seen throughout the Old Testament. It's used as something to overwhelm God's people. And so as we see this story and we read about what's happening, it's no surprise that these, these Jewish men, these young men, were terrified by this storm. Some of them were, were fishermen, but it's a little different when you're in the middle, really far away, and you don't have you know that 400-horsepower motor on the back of your boat, and you're just kind of like, ah. So it's no surprise that they're terrified by the water. So look in Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27 here. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake, with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Any of you uh, light sleepers? Anybody a light sleeper? I'm an extremely light sleeper. Um, Jesus obviously was not worried about anything. Like, the dogs sneeze and I wake up, okay? Okay. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus wipes the sleep out of his eyes, stretches a little bit, and goes, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. And so the question Jesus asks here isn't just a question. Remember, we talked last week, Jesus doesn't ask questions he doesn't already know the answers to. And so it's not just a question, it's actually a rebuke to the disciples. Right? It's a rebuke to the disciples. Jesus points out that, yeah, you have faith, but your faith is, is withheld, is drawn back because of your fear. He never says, oh, you don't have any faith, why don't you just believe in me? He says, oh, you of Little faith. And so he points out the fact that they're believers. But what he also points out is that they have fear. It's their fear that betrays the weakness of their faith. They're in panic. See, it's not a bad thing to come to Jesus when times are hard, but it's a bad thing to come to Jesus in a panic instead of in confidence. Jesus is saying, look, it's okay that you came to me. But you're freaking out. It wasn't, hey, Jesus, we know you're sleeping. Could you just handle this? It was, we're going to die. It was, anchor the boat right now. I'm done moving. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You should come in confidence and say, hey, look, you can do this. We believe that you can do this. So he rebukes them. He's upset that they awoke him out of fear. And see, fear is a normal reaction. Fear is a normal reaction to to situations. It gets you out of danger. It gets you out of being in places you, you really probably shouldn't be. It keeps you safe. Fear is a completely normal reaction to everyday life, things that happen. Fear actually keeps you from dying sometimes. It's when our fear takes over our faith. It's when our fear blinds us. And what happened to the disciples is that their faith was weakened because they forgot what it said in Isaiah 54.10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. See, if we are confident in God, we will have that peace no matter what happens. We'll have that peace no matter what the diagnosis is. We'll have that peace no matter what our job situation looks like. If we're confident in God, we will have peace. I don't know if you're a worry wart or you turn molehills into mountains, but God is calling you to peace in situations. Fear is a completely normal reaction, but what happens is we should surrender those things to God. And say, God, I'm terrified right now, but I know that you can do something. We don't panic about what could happen. See, the disciples were panicking about what could have happened if Jesus didn't wake up. And it's not easy to, to be confident in fear, it's not easy to be confident in God, especially when the world is in shambles all around us. But if we remember and, and try to live like Paul did, Paul was a man who was beaten everywhere he went. See, the problem with us is we tend to have uh, what I call affectionately call the, the blindness, the, the blessing, the blindness of the blessing. The blindness of the blessing, meaning everything is good, right? Everything is good. God wants to, hi- God is blessing me, God is doing things. And a lot of times we mistake what the devil is actually doing for, and call it a blessing of God because God is trying to reveal something to us, but things are great, right? I ha- my house is, is nice, I, my job is successful. The church is growing, but we're not really going spiritually deep. But everything's great. And a lot of the times, the devil will use good things to hide us from what God wants to do with us. The devil's going to use blessing in your life, good things in your life, to hide you from your true potential and your true calling for God. God says, you should become less, I should become more. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants you to have success. God wants you to be blessed, but he wants you to give the honor and glory to him. And a lot of times what happens is when we have that blindness of the blessing, and I'm not saying everybody has this, when there is that blindness of the blessing, we we lose focus of God. We lose focus of what God is doing. And that's kind of what has happened here with the disciples. They're, They're terrified because they've forgotten who they're on the boat with. And Paul reminds us over and over and over again, especially when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he's like, look, the church is, you have these really elegant speakers, you're doing great things, but you've forgotten what your true calling is in your life. You've forgotten your first love. In Romans 8, 38 through 9, he says this after being tortured and a man who's lived a rough life, he says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's Love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, or, uh, uh, sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what we have is uh, we have these boats that we put ourselves in. We have these boats that we put ourselves in to, to protect us from the world, right? And now I couldn't get a, a boat in here today, but I have two lovely gentlemen who brought a kayak. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to look at a kayak here. Anybody ever been kayaking? I see people kayaking across Barren River Lake, and I'm like, you're crazy because my wife hates a boat on Barren River Lake. Um, and so we have a kayak here. Thank you, guys. And so what happens several times is we we build these boats in our lives that we think are going to be great, right? Those those things that we want to protect ourselves from. And all the while, I don't know if you anybody ever ridden a kayak through a storm, kind of like what they're going through in Galilee. I wouldn't want to ride that. Um, that's not very, very safe. And so we build these kayaks and... and We put ourselves in them, and when things get rough, there's panic because we don't really have the captain on board that should be on board in our life. This is a cool-looking kayak, by the way. But what Jesus is saying to the disciples here is, look, guys, you don't know who I am. And they, they admit that, right? They say it at the end of, of the Scripture there in verse thirty or 20, yeah, what, yeah 27. Who is this man? They're still experiencing and trying to figure out who Jesus is. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe you've built this boat. I'm going to try to get in this thing. This will be great. Maybe you built this boat here, and you're just kind of, you know, you're, you're rowing along. What? I look shorter than I normally am. Hope y'all can see this on camera. But you're rowing along, and any bump that comes across, you're getting thrown out. And we sit here and we build these comforts like our social media platform where we can lie, or we act like we have our marriage together, and then we continue to row, and then anything that comes up, we enter panic mode because we haven't built our faith around Jesus. We're still trying to figure out, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this man that tells the sea to stop and it stops? And so our kayak is is unstable, our boat is unstable, and yet Jesus is still sitting there going, You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Jesus is saying, Give me the boat. Give give me the boat. Give me that thing that keeps your faith from being so big. And so he rebukes him. He, He asks the question, why are you afraid? Little faith, why are you afraid? And so there are boats that we've all built in our life. There are things that we have put in our life that are keeping us from God. And and the question today is if that thing, if life gets rough and that thing isn't the response, then obviously you should find a different answer. And that answer is Jesus. I mean, there's going to be a time when there is peace, when there is no war. So, you have to surrender these things. So, as the worship team comes back today, um, Fear is a natural response to hard situations. Faith is the Christian response to surrendering to Jesus, saying, God, I'm scared, but I'm confident in you. I have no idea where this is going, God, but I know you. And if the disciples would have known who Jesus was, it would have never been a fear factor there. And so today, as we close and we open up the altar, what what are the things in your life that you have to give up to God? Those boats that you're sitting in, and every time you get rocked by a storm, life gets hard. And you tremble in fear instead of walking in faith. So come today and and lay down these, these boats and let God do something with it. Let God do something with the storm. Thanks again for listening. If you like this message and you want to hear other messages just like this one, be sure that you subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you really liked it, be sure that you rate it and share it with all of your friends. It would really help us out a lot. We love you. Have a great week.